Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Tuesday, April 5th edition of the Basement Academy. We are celebrating the Kansas Jayhawks National Championship last night in the basketball world, celebrating because my wife, Krista, attended Kansas University, so we've got that. But also, as I mentioned yesterday, because of her cousin, Scott, uh, who is suffering with ALS and is um, deeply um, affected by that um, debilitating disease, Scott had occasion, he grew up in Lawrence, uh, going to to the games all the time. Uh, He had occasion to be in the locker room back on March 3rd. Uh, Coach Bill Self, uh, the coach of the Kansas Jayhawks, uh, had extended an invitation to Scott, was in the locker room, met all the players. Uh, uh, Coach Self uh, gave his pregame speech about Scott and his perseverance and his resilience. Uh, uh, Coach Self had come to know Scott's story a little bit. Well, they won that game and never lost again. <laughs> and so uh, pretty interesting um, Uh, We're taking inspiration from Scott's uh, very courageous battle against ALS, and we're seeing the intersection points uh, with uh, last night's victory. So anyway, we we celebrate that. Invite your prayers. Uh, Scott's in our uh, our prayer list, in our uh, church bulletin. So, well, let's uh, begin today with a morning psalm, Psalm 65. This is for the director of music. It is a psalm of David. Praise awaits you, O God, in Zion. To you our vows will be fulfilled. O you who hear prayer, to you all men will come. When we were overwhelmed by sins, you forgave our transgressions. Blessed are those you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house, of your holy temple. You answer us with awesome deeds of righteousness, O God, our Savior, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, who formed the mountains by your power, having armed yourself with strength, who stilled the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the turmoil of the nations. Those living far away fear your wonders, where morning dawns and evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You care for the land and water it, You enrich it abundantly. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. You drench its furrows and level its ridges. You soften it with showers and bless its crops. You crown the year with your bounty, and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the desert overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks, and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. Amen. Sweet psalm of God's provision, the provision of mercy and grace, and the the call uh, to to dwell uh, in the temple. And then God's uh, blessing, (laughs) the earth. The streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so you have ordained it. And so as we will read uh, this morning in Matthew 6, many people are anxious about many things, but God promises to provide. Okay, Uh, Sermon on the Mount, we'll be reading uh, the end of chapter 6 today. We'll probably linger in this passage a couple days. 
But I wanted to, to wrap up kind of one more thought. Um, yesterday, there's that passage about um, uh, money and treasures and you can't serve two masters and all of that, the eye being the lamp of the body. Um, it, it seems randomly stuck in there, you know, coming after the um, warning against being like the hypocrites who do their acts of righteousness to be seen by men, uh, the giving, the praying, and the fasting. But I was trying to suggest what I what I said yesterday, basically not just suggesting, but said that this is very intentional, that what Jesus is speaking against this Pharisaic righteousness that is concerned only on the horizontal realm. It is not truly concerned with God. It is concerned with creating the appearance of being about God, the appearance of being pious and devoted, when in fact they're devoted to the praise of men, um, to being recognized, to, to gaining and maintaining status and influence. And what I said is that, that the word that represents this earthly realm <laughs> that competes for our allegiance and our heart's trust and dependence, that word is mammon. Now, it is commonly translated money and it certainly refers to that. So I said that yesterday. But I want to read from Luke chapter 16. Jesus makes the same statement about not being able to serve two masters, but in a completely different context. He tells a fairly extended parable about a shrewd manager who's going to be turned out. He's going to be fired uh, by uh, the, the master, by the owner of the estate. And before he does, he goes and it's kind of a little sneaky. And for all of the... Um, individuals that are indebted to uh, the master. He kind of works them a deal, basically, so that when he is fired, he's going to have some friends on the outside. So Jesus actually commends that shrewd manager for uh, using worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwelling. So it's kind of a, a, a very cryptic thing that language of worldly wealth is mammon. So it's using mammon, it's using the world and its means to be shrewd in preparing for uh, a future. So at the end of that parable, he says this, no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Same teaching, same um, kind of short, pithy uh, statement about the two masters as he, as he uses in, in Matthew's gospel in this larger sermon, but now attached to the parable. But here's the key. The Pharisees who loved money or loved mammon heard all this and were sneering at Jesus and Jesus said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. Mm. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. Jesus closes out that section. And so the Pharisees who loved money sneered at his statement that you can't serve God in money. They said, oh, sure you can. 
We're doing it right now. Jesus says, nope, you're only about the money. You're only about mammon. You're only about the horizontal realm. You have come to base your entire life on this approval of men being justified in the eyes of men. That is to be righteous in the eyes of men. And so, and so, the, the, the statement about God and mammon, almost, it's almost always exclusively just about money. And I said, no, we have to understand mammon represents what this world has to offer, the way the world competes for our heart's devotion and attention. Mammon says, depend on me. If you don't have money, if you don't have status, if you don't have approval in the eyes of men, you have nothing. And Jesus is saying, no. It is the exact opposite. That is the contrast of the two forms of righteousness, of, of, of um, well-being, right? <clears throat> and so Jesus goes on from there. So now we're back to the sermon. Matthew 20, uh, chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, he's just said you can't serve God in money. Next words, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear? Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans or the Gentiles run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So that's the end of chapter 6. Therefore, so he's kind of drawing something to a conclusion. He's therefore always refers back to what has gone before. So in contrast to Pharisaic righteousness that seeks approval in the eyes of men, in contrast to Pharisaic righteousness that seeks um <clears throat> wealth and status and influence and power uh, in the world alone and thinking that that is how you are rightly related to God. Well, so Jesus now anticipates when he says, if you can't serve God and money, if you can't serve God and mammon, well, he immediately, he anticipates their response. They're already thinking, but Jesus, we need money. I mean, what are we going to eat? How are we going to get food? How are we going to uh, have anything to drink? Where are our clothes going to come from if we don't have money? Jesus, what are you saying? Well, he's not talking exclusively about money. 
He's talking about a way, an orientation of one's life that everything is horizontal. The Pharisees had completely neglected God. Oh, they gave lip service. Again, uh, we read earlier in Matthew 15, my people draw near with their lips, but their hearts are far from. He's quoting Isaiah, speaking of these Pharisees. So the religious leaders of the day have nothing to do with God. That's what Jesus is saying. And so the people are hearing it all about money. You can't serve God and money. Whoa, 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 Jesus. He says, therefore, don't worry about your life. What do you mean don't worry about our life? Where, where are we going to get our, our, our basics? And so this motivating power of daily essentials, food, drink, shelter, clothing, um, that which we as human beings created in the image of God, created dependent, we need these things in order to live. And Jesus knows all that, right? And so what he does is he redirects their focus. So they're anxious. He, he could perhaps see as he's speaking to his disciples and uh, the crowd kind of around the edges. And he says, you can't serve God and money. Don't pursue, don't pursue this earth's goods. Don't think that this life that you can see is all there is. There is a father who is unseen who sees the heart, right? And so he's trying to get them, he's trying to expand their understanding because they have been led astray by the Pharisees, by the teachers of the law, that they, they, they've been led to a religion that all looks good but has no substance to it. And so what Jesus is doing is he's criticizing a, a you may not live by bread alone kind of existence. So that, that, that story from um, Deuteronomy. Man does not live on bread alone, but in every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. There is more to this life than everything we can see. And so Jesus redirects their focus away from their worry, away from the anxiety, away from the concern. Uh, where, if we, where are we going to get our stuff? He draws lessons from creation. Look at the birds of the air. God feeds them. Look at the lilies of the field. God clothes them. He draws a quick story from the, the covenant, the, the family story, right? Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed, was not clothed as one of these flowers of the field. And so <clears throat> he's trying to punch through and break through the dominant prevailing mindset that, was, that, that, that kind of enshrouded Israel at that time that it's all about this life, that it's all about um, uh, money and status and influence and approval in the eyes of others. No, 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 no. <clears throat> and so I would offer to you that what Jesus is doing is he's still teasing out themes that he introduced. Again, at the beginning of the sermon, which you know, he's maybe 10, 12 minutes into the sermon. If we were to read it straight through and get to this point, you know, it's taken us, what, four, four and a half weeks or whatever to get to this point. But in the, say, in the setting and in the speaking of it, in his introduction, he gave the Beatitudes. And so there's this notion of blessed are the poor in spirit, this sense of poverty, this sense of spiritual poverty that we have, because that's what's going on with Pharisaic righteousness. There is a spiritual impoverishment. They've got nothing. So when we come to realize we have nothing before God, 
the approval of men means nothing. The money that we accumulate means nothing. The status and influence and power uh, that we accumulate means nothing. And when we come to grips with that, as a broken, fallen, rebellious sinner, I've got nothing before a holy and righteous God. And Jesus says, you're blessed. When you get to the end of your resources and you realize you can't do this life, you, you, you need something outside of yourself, that's where the blessing begins. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. And they're saying, but we're hungry, we're thirsty, we need money. How, how? They're worrying about food and drink. And Jesus says, don't worry about food and drink. Cultivate a hunger and thirst for God. Cultivate a hunger and thirst for the Spirit. Cultivate a hunger and thirst for the kingdom. And so he uses the physical to illustrate the spiritual, okay? The birds, the clothes, uh, I mean, uh, the lilies, uh, you know, the birds of the air, the lilies of the field. He uses the physical to illustrate the spiritual. And so he's teasing out these themes. Uh, he's just said in the, the, the call to love your enemies, he says, God causes the, the rain to fall and the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. God provides. God provides even for those who hate him. God is kind even to those who despise him. And so you go be like God. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And so there's this, this reminder that God provides for the world. The daily bread that he's just offered to us in prayer. He says, so pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. Again, echoing and recalling the uh, manna story from the wilderness. The daily scooping up of manna and eating it. God provided for Israel God will provide for you. But stay in that place of attentiveness. God, I am impoverished. I do worry about physical provisions. These are concerns of mine. And so give us this day our daily bread. Provide for our, our physical needs. And then, of course, the theme that is running throughout the sermon is the kingdom of God, we read at the end of chapter 4, before Jesus gives this sermon, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then he's all contrasting the two forms of righteousness. You need to have a righteousness that goes beyond that of the scribes and Pharisees. And so Jesus says here, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So he's drawing this kind of the sermon. He's, this is kind of the... The, the point that he's trying to make. You could, you could argue that this is the, um, he's going to get to the application a little bit, but this is, this is the point of the sermon. What the Pharisees, see, he, he essentially equates the Pharisees who are all about the horizontal realm he equates them with the pagans, with the Gentiles. It's, it's kind of shocking. So when he, he says, uh, oh, uh, so do not worry. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. He's, I think in a kind of a backhanded way, he's criticizing the Pharisees who are running after the things of this world. They're running after the mammon. Again, mammon represents not just money. It represents the things of this world that we must have, that we depend on if we're going to live. And God says, no, I'll provide for you. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Money's a part of it, but you don't need the money. God is enough. God knows what you need. The rain is falling. The sun is shining. Um, uh, the streams of God are filled with water to provide the people with grain, for so he has ordained it. And so he's speaking to a life of trust, a daily life of trust, depending on God. Now I'm going to I'm going to go a little further tomorrow where he talks about every day has enough trouble of its own and kind of tease us out. But it is daily trust in God that he is speaking of. And this is something the Pharisees had lost. They lost the daily trust in God. They were laying up for themselves treasures. They were, they were seeking for themselves approval. Uh, it was all about securing their own lives in this world and Jesus says, no, God secures your life. Let's close here, and uh, we'll pick up again tomorrow and, and tease out some more thoughts in this very important passage. So let's pray. Father, thank you that our lives are secure by your gracious provision. And in times of hunger and thirst, you are the one who sustains. And so even as the rain is falling upon us now outdoors and softening the fields and bringing forth a fruit from the earth, so, Lord, would your Holy Spirit fall upon us and bring forth the fruit of the Spirit, a love, joy, peace, a patience, kindness, goodness, a gentleness, a faithfulness, a self-control, and an abiding trust in your goodness and your care and protection of our lives. Hear us as we offer ourselves now towards that end of seeking your kingdom as we pray in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray together saying our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the God who loves you deeply and has provided fully for you, may he watch over you, keep you, and strengthen your heart this day. Through Christ our Lord. Amen.